So I want to tell you how I got this word. Two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, I was sleeping at night, and I had a, I don't know if it's a vision or what, but I did not wake up. I did not go look in the Bible. But before my eyes, there were verses, and I knew where they were, that line by line scrolled through my thoughts in Ephesians and then in James. I've never had that in my entire life. And I knew that that was something God wanted us to hear. And um, it, it could be a little painful when you hear this word, but at the end, it's good. So, right? Anytime God does a little digging, you know. So I, I thought, you know, it was definitely for the house, but God began to show me through some um, things that I did that it was for me as well. And uh, at the end of this sermon... I am going to expose my life a little bit, and um, hopefully you'll be right there with me. And I, uh, I call this word the mighty tongue, right here, the mighty tongue, because that's what he gave me. It's mighty, think about that word mighty, it's mighty positively or, po or negatively, our words are creative forces. Jesus, who is the word originally, created the whole earth by what he spoke. So when we are speaking, we see atmospheres change one way or the other. Hopefully, as believers in Christ, we are creating a great atmosphere for other people to be around. But as I found out, there can also be an atmosphere that's created by my tongue that drops to the ground for everybody that's around me. And I had to repent of that. So today, I'm asking that you allow God to expose in yourself your tongue and how it's being used, okay? So we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures, but look at uh, Proverbs 18.21, first there, Caleb. And it says what I just said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who live by it will eat its fruits. Think about that. Death and life are in your tongue. That's a, we're human beings, so we know that we can speak. Speak quickly and sometimes regret it or speak in an attitude of wisdom. And it creates a life force for all those that are around us. Let's look at Ephesians 4. This is one of the verses, 29 through 32, that I saw in my uh, sleeping state. And it says, let no corrupt communication 
proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is edifying. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Next verse. Can you put it back there too, Caleb? No. Okay. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So this verse here, the key thing to me is the corrupt word. So corrupt words versus good words that edify. So what's a corrupt word? Uh, It's in a dictionary. It's just rotten. Rotten like meat is rotten that you throw away. It's rotten like fruit that goes bad. And this here... What I really like about this here is it tells about the grieving of the Holy Spirit by what we speak. There's, if you look at uh, the whole context there, he doesn't mention this uh, grieving except in the context of how we're speaking. So what's a grieving? Uh, What's that mean to you to cause distress? And uh, I think it's conviction. Sometimes There's like a deadness that follows what we say. And uh, uh, these things are a grieving of the Holy Spirit because you're you're God's people. So we need to be aware that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How many want grieving of your Holy Spirit? I wouldn't think anybody would, you know. So let's not let any corrupt communication, and we think, I didn't think I had any corrupt communication in me, but it was revealed there was some. And, um, but let the words edify. If we look at, so I did an inductive Bible study at one time in my life, which simply means you go through something and you identify all the parts of Uh, a a book of the Bible. And I took Proverbs, which is a great one. And uh, what you do is you put, and you might try this little exercise. Every time you find a verse that talks about your tongue, put a T outside of it. Or the other big one in the Proverbs is about money. And I put a dollar sign by it. So I counted up how many times in Proverbs it's talking about the the tongue. 33 times it gives us instruction on tongue, the tongue, whether that be uh, negatively using our tongue or uh, positively. Um, The words that we speak are apples of gold, for example. Those would be positive types of things. If I look at James 1.19, And it just simply says, and I like this, this needs to be something we live by. We be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger or wrath. Now, 
you know, learning to be slow to speak and not react to someone's uh, attitudes is a difficult thing. You have to kind of set on yourself a little bit to do that. And because um, if, you're, if you're fast to speak, it's very simply you could harm someone. You could cause a corrupt, chaotic type of atmosphere. And uh, we had some of that happen in family situation recently. And the words, um, they just hurt. And if we look at James 3, I should have my phone up here probably because I don't want to turn around all the time. James chapter 3, and we're going to read this here. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all have stumbled in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man who also, who able also to bridle the whole body. That word bridle is uh, horses. You know, we, we had horses when I grew up and you put the bridle in so that they wouldn't run this way and that way. And we need a bridle on our tongue. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Thought about you on that one, Curtis. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. <laughs> That's pretty strong, isn't it? For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. We're going to end right there. Are you edified yet? James puts it out there like it is. And... Um, the Holy Spirit is grieved by most of what uh, is in the book of James. And we need to realize that our, um, 
James 3.1 talks about the being bridled, our tongue being bridled. And there's uh, the corrupt, there's the whole issue of corrupt communication that Ephesians 4 ties into. Corrupt communication can be deadly poisons. And some of the issues I found in Proverbs are a sharp tongue, like it talks about the snake's tongue, how it's sharp. And uh, do you have Proverbs 12, 18 there? And the, that's right. There's the tail-bearing tongue, which is gossip. There's, okay, piercing of a sword. And the tail-bearing gossip tongue is Proverbs 16, 28. There's the critical tongue, the proud tongue, the lying tongue, uh, the division, divisive tongue. Coarse jesting is another one in Ephesians 5.4. A lot of our culture today is let it all hang out. Just say whatever you want to say. But according to what I'm seeing here, we need to be slow to speak and not just let things blast. Because that's in truly what you do. We blast people off the face of the earth by what we say, and we might feel good about that. They needed that, but I think there's a time and a place and a, and a wise place by which you can bring um, your thoughts into what you're seeing on people, on people. We look at verse 6, Matthew uh, 15, 11. Verse 6 talks about but this is Matthew 15, 11. It says, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. By the other token, what goes into the mouth doesn't defile, but what comes out can produce life. It can produce a whole atmosphere of godliness and love. Because really, we believe that love is going to be what prevails in our, in our body this next year. And so maybe the Lord's bringing a correction or an exposure to what happens in us. Verse 11 talked about sweet water and bitter waters. Sweet water, what's, what's, what would you think that would be in terms of you and I, but the words of edifying, right, is sweet, um, and it ministers grace, it produces harmony, it produces unity within your family, within, and within your own church, within you, there's harmony produced in you by sweet water that comes up and out. The bitter waters, on the other hand, are criticism and slander, backbiting and gossip. A corrupt communication, those verses in James, says it comes from the demonic worldly wisdom. That's pretty tough stuff. And uh, I don't want to be any part of demonic wisdom, do you? No way. Matthew 12, 34 and 37. 
It's a scripture we're all aware of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we will be, there it is, brings forth good things and an evil man out of his evil treasures bring forth evil things. And then after that, it says that we're going to be held accountable for every word uh, that we speak. Now, that's a tough thing, accountable for every word. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. <laughs> I think I'm going to have several of them. <laughs> Quite a day, right? <laughs> the day of accountability. And we have to remember we are accountable to God as believers. We're accountable to God, not to our opinions or, or what we think is right and wrong. We have to put it before the test. Is this corrupt communication or is this edifying that ministers grace to the, to the believers? Is this sweet water or is this bitter water that's coming out of me? And because we want to be like God, uh, be ye holy, even as God is holy. It even comes down now from what God was downloading in me and now I'm putting out on you is our tongue and what we say. And, and this is what grieves the Holy Spirit so many times. Uh, like, for example, if, if you come in here and, and you become critical of the music, okay, your critical attitudes, so our attitudes are lined up with our words. And you may not speak it right then, but the attitude alone can cause an atmosphere where everything seems dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just drops to the ground. So when you come in uh, to a body of believers, begin to use words of life, the words of edification, and you know, you're just kind of kicking the devil in the tongue or in the head. <laughs> wherever. You kick him wherever you want. <laughs> when you take a stance opposite of what you are sensing or what you are feeling. So if you feel a spirit of judgment in this house, then you would loosen the opposite. And this is what we, what we uh, do as believers and as intercessors. In a house or in your home, whatever you're feeling. We, we had a, several sons that were rebellious you know, so we had one particular one, our youngest one is very rebellious at one part of his life. And uh, so uh, we began to see that rebellion had taken hold of him. And so we would bind the spirit of rebellion and loosen the spirit of submission. Okay, because we wanted the atmosphere to change. We wanted to create by our tongue, by our words, an atmosphere that would uh, first of all, cause him to prosper and be uh, at peace. But we wanted that in our home as well, as well. So you can do that wherever you are in your workplace. Wherever you are, bind the forces of darkness that are there and loose with your tongue the sweet water. You're going to see a difference. Everybody say amen. <laughs> yeah, I like harmony. Um, what I'm finding is the tongue is tied to our attitudes. If we have an attitude of judgment, 
This produces critical words. If we have an attitude of love and kindness, then our words are of such. And I've, I've seen so much that our past and our upbringing kind of shapes and molds us with attitudes that we may not like. You may have been raised with an attitude of critical attitude from your parents or teachers or whatever, and that could have gotten inside of you, but the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ will take those attitudes, it will take that motive of the heart, those difficulties in your heart, and bring a transformation. And that's what we want for all people in the body of Christ, is a transformation. And that's called sanctification. We were transformed once at the cross when we said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. But we all have these stinky things in us. Corrupt words pop up, and then we see ourselves. And the Holy Spirit, because he's grieved, he's going to allow you to see him as well. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> what do you do once he reveals that? You better quickly bow your knees and say, Lord, I am so sorry for that. And it may require you to go to someone and repent or tell them, hey, I really blew it. I am so sorry for the words I spoke. Well, Psalm 19, 14 says, let the words of my, and this is our prayer, words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So I want to tell you a few examples that happened to me here in the last two, three weeks. So the first one, I was at a company Christmas party. And we, it was a um, white elephant exchange, okay? So we were all having fun, laughing, and this one person would not give up her gift. She wanted that gift so badly, and uh, so I, when my turn, I went over there and tried to steal it from her, and she held on to it and wouldn't let me do it, you know? And, and then... Uh, there was a law in between people, and I made a comment to her that was fun because this particular person is always fun-loving and joking, so I said something to her across the hall. I mean, everybody heard it, and the whole crowd erupted in laughter. So in my mind, oh, wow, that was, that was just a fun joke, you know? But it hit home on that girl, and she held... A difficulty with me. So um, I, I just let it go and let it go. And then finally, about two weeks ago, I finally yielded. And I went to her at the office and I apologized. And, and she, she said, oh, no worries. No, it wasn't a problem at all. And, uh, but I, I knew I had to do that because I don't know if it's corrupt communication or uh, coarse jesting. Of course, jesting is one the Bible talks about. But in my mind, you know, it was just a joke. But listen, we got people that jokes sometimes hit the wrong mark. So be careful and allow God to make that change, okay? 
Then the second um, per time I, I made a blunder, and, and what happens is everything goes quiet afterwards. That's when you know you probably spoke out a turn. So I was at an OCC meeting, and I made a comment toward the end that was maybe now that I look on it, critical. And when I did that, hush, filled the room, you know. So I apologize to all OCC members, but these are the things that, and I repented of that, but these are the things that we have to be aware of during that time. Because there's a time and a place for me to say that, but it was probably to the pastor, not to the whole group, that type of thing. And then the last one, I was with friends, and, and uh, we were going someplace, and my wife was in the back seat, and uh, she said something to me, it hit me wrong. And so I barked at her, friends were there and everything, and uh, it got deadly quiet in the car for the longest time. It was always chattering before that. And then a little later, I did it again. And again, dead silence in the car. And I, uh, I knew that I had grieved the Holy Spirit by coming after my wife on my misunderstanding on something. But I, could, I wasn't slow to speak. You know, that's the thing. We, we have something happens to us, and we just react. But ask God to make you slow to speak, and then you won't be repenting all the time. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, Repentance is critical to moving on with God, to being holy even as he is holy. That's a goal that's met to these difficult times. It's a goal. I want to be holy. How about you? I want to, I want to be all he wants me to be. But I, I also know that with that, there comes um, pruning and um, chiseling, uh, as Kathy was talking about Solomon's temple this morning and breakfast tables where all the stones had to be fit perfectly. And how do they get fit per perfectly? They bring a stone, they begin to chisel it because it's got a little hole it's got to fit into, and they chisel on that until that stone finally slips in there and it's part of the structure. Now, that's what he's doing in the body of Christ as well. He's chipping on us. I know we don't like that, but he reveals things to us that we need to take care of. So this mighty tongue of yours and mine, we have to allow it to be his tongue and not a sharp tongue, a critical tongue, a lying tongue, or a, 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 a wagging tongue, or, or a divisive tongue, or a coarse jesting tongue. And we believe that God's going to make us into all he wants us to be. But I am so wanting to create an atmosphere through our words that is edifying to everybody, to this house, we have to create an atmosphere in your own home. You know, the problem with homes is we become familiar 
with those that live next to us, and we think we can correct them just like that because, you know, you're all the time being agitated by something, and so you think you got the right to agitate them. And we really, we really don't have that right as a believer. I mean, if you can do it in a spirit of wisdom and kindness, because that's what it talks about, then there's a, a point where you get control of yourself, and you say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this, honey, and, or whatever, son, or daughter, whatever it would be. And then, in that attitude of kindness, we can talk to one another. Now, that is a tough thing to do sometimes, particularly in their own households.